Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. Welcome to 5 After Midnight. It's a new show where we talk about the things the way you would around a sleep-deprived kitchen table. When you've run five or more calls after midnight, your brain feels half gone, and you and your crew have absolutely no filter. Just pure honesty. The goal of this series is to kick around the small things that really aren't so small and have a big impact in the way our firehouses function. My name is Stephanie. I'm genuinely not an expert at anything. I'm just here to ask the sometimes awkward questions. Enjoy. We've come too far, don't let this slip away. Fade out like they said we would. Well, good cool. morning. I am on this morning with Matt, no last name, from Worst Responders. If you recognize that, it is a, I won't even say social media page, I'm just going to say social media movement that you will find mostly on Instagram, where you guys come out with memes and videos and just this collective message of everything that is falling apart and going wrong in the fire service. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. You sound it right now. Sounded a little sleep deprived. Sounded a little tired. (laughs) Aren't we all? Yeah. Well, Matt, we're just going to start from the very beginning. Uh, how did we land here? How did you start in the fire service? And then we'll just go down that whole rabbit hole. Yeah. So, um, always wanted to be a firefighter as a kid, you know, um, I think there's like five options you have as a little boy, uh, or a little girl, you know, astronaut, uh, race car driver, firefighter. Right. And my, my most firefighter and I never really outgrew it. And I, I did two summers on wildland. And I, I wanted something a little more challenging, not that Wildland is not. Wildland is a absolute kick in the nuts. And so I joined the Army. I was a combat medic, went to Afghanistan, came back, um, did a, form, a few more years in, uh, got out, thought about the fire service. Um, I was like, ah, I just kind of want to see what else is out there. And I did the different odd jobs and worked in the, you know firearms, trauma medical training spaces, and was bouncing at bars and just kind of sticking around at college and somehow fell into a white collar type job and uh, spent three years in DC, got a lot of travel and um, got to do some pretty cool stuff, uh, you know, to help veterans and whatnot. And I still kind of had that itch that I wanted to scratch. And uh, I started a, uh, started this company didn't didn't work, but the, the failure was like super, super valuable uh, teaching me a lot about business. And then uh, one of my buddies, um, we we met through a, 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 a employer at the time, a training company, and we just kind of clicked, and we both knew we wanted to do some kind of business stuff thing, but we didn't like we didn't have any formal plan or whatever. And um, he wanted to go, he wanted to build his medical time to go contract because he was like an infantry marine, and I wanted to go in the fire department, and so we were like, well, let's do easiest way to get the most amount of time off with some job stability and i was like let's just go get on the ambos mm-hmm. and so you know it's like 20 days off a month so like, yeah, cool, cool. 
So we do that, and it was like very much like a stepbrothers movie on the hiring process, like him and I going through like the the new hiring thing together and just being clowns the whole time. And we were working there for a few weeks and just chatting with all the other you know, EMTs, medics, just meeting so many awesome people. And we were, you know, we'd, we'd bring up contract work or this or that or, you know, hey, man, like, what do you do with your 20 days off a month? You know, like, oh, I, I pick up overtime. And it kind of really planted this bug in our head. And uh, so over the next few months, when I would just, I mean, maybe the first month we were working, him and I would just send silly memes that we made back and forth about our experiences. And uh, I made one, and he's like, man, you should send that to like one of the pages. So I sent it to one of the pages, like the EMS meme pages at the time. Uh, this was like December of 2018 that we did that. And it, they reposted it, and it blew up, and we're like, you know, we both had dabbled in marketing and business, and, you know, he social media consulting, and we we're like, huh. We're not too bad I at this. Like, I was like, maybe, maybe we give this a shot. And he came up with the name. And it was like, all right, let's just let's roll with it and see where it goes. And um, yeah, so flash forward, that was January 2019 that we started it. Um, so uh, nine months in, we we started the job board because we we kept talking about contract work and got so many questions about that. And uh, you know, the, the the belief at the time was you need to be a, a special operations medic in order to get a contract job. It's like like my dude, you know, there's cruise ships need EMTs too, <laughs> you know. So um, we were like, we let's just tell people about it, and then it was let's let's start finding the jobs on these obscure sites and hitting up these companies and hitting up recruiters and flash forward, and, you know, this, this little meme page evolved into this whole thing, and we're enjoying it. So it's been uh, it's been pretty cool. Something that you appear to be very passionate about on both in personal conversation between the two of us and on the meme page is the concept of treating the fire service like the military four years mm -hmm. and out. Talk to me about that because that's something that goes very oh. counterintuitive to the concept of the senior man, to the rank structure, to everything that is the fire service. Yeah. Um, I think the, in, this is all very state dependent, city dependent, individual dependent, and context matters. But I think uh, uh, the fire service tracks a particular type of person. Uh, generally, you know, a little bit of adrenaline junkie, they kind of thrive in chaos. Um, you know, they get bored easily, and they want a job that, you know, there's something new every day. And you know, about four or five years of that, I'm pretty much seen a good amount, depending on your call volume. But, um, you know, not all departments are created equal and, uh, the, the pensions are not what they used to be. that's for sure. And so, you know, when you, when you go into the military, it's, you know, generally a four-year contract, <clears throat> it's generally a four-year contract and everybody's good with that. But, um, you know, if you, if you go into the fire service and you say, yeah, I'm a, you know, I just, I always want to do this job and, um, you know, I don't know how long I'll, I'll be here, but you know. If you say anything other than I'm, I'm gonna you know retire out of this place, it's kind of like oh, you know, taboo. And you know, you look at the statistics, and I, you know, I'm sure I'm wrong on this to you know some specific decimal point, but it's like 
guys who retire from the fire service after like 25 years, you know, they retire at 55, like on average, they live like 10 more years. And guys that retire in their 60s on average live like five years or seven years. or some crazy stat like that. And, you know, just kind of looking at all of it, it's like, man, this is like the greatest job in the world by all accounts. Like, yes, it's 56 hours a week. Yes, I'll give you that. But you get 20 days off a month, give or take. You have unmatched job stability, unmatched job security that, in theory, can afford you to take a little bit of risk, right? And the crazy thing to me is how many guys and gals on a job are, like, in a job where their job description is, like, chasing bad guys with guns or going into burning buildings or, you know, doing very risky things. And then when you talk about like, why don't you start a business? Like, oh, it's too much risk. And you're like, eh, like that's not crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think um, you know, public safety as a whole, especially the fire service, you know, definitely more on the peace side. But the fire service, um, ten years ago, you'd have you know some of these big cities would have five to ten thousand people applying. And uh, flash forward, you know, the, the the big city out here on, and on the west coast that, that we're with. Um, they had like 600 people apply. And I think in 2015, there was like 10,000 people that applied. Same job. And, you know, um, I, I think I think there's a, a plethora of, of opportunity within the fire service if, if that's what you want to do. But being kind of chained to it for 20, 25 years, you know, I, I've... I was surprised at how many guys I met on the job were not really that happy and they couldn't, they just couldn't afford to quit. Right. Cause they're, they're, they're too far in, but they're still too far away from their pension and they're 60, 70, 80 K a year. And, you know, it's like, wh where else can you get 60, 70, 80 K a year with a high school diploma and an EMT cert and still be home for your family and a 20s off a month. And, you know all of that so it, it, it again it's like it's the greatest job one of the greatest jobs i've ever had and i think that just depending on the, the department the culture um the call volume the administration the city um you know two neighboring departments that literally touch each other can have entirely different cultures and collective happiness purely based on those things so completely different atmosphere um, yeah it's if it's funny that you bring up the statistics of the numbers of people applying. I mean, you were practically fist fighting people to get on the job where I am when I came in and it's we are struggling and it's not just us. I'm not throwing my own place under the bus, throwing everybody under the bus. Everybody everywhere. everywhere. Have you ever heard of departments giving sign on bonuses yeah. for guys and gals that have medic their medic? Yeah. Like that was un unheard of. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I got that when I came on, but we won't go into that. But yeah, now now everybody's doing it. We were advanced, and that was one of the reasons everybody wanted to come to us as we were doing bonuses. And, and yeah, now it's average, and we're still not able to pull yeah. people in in the There's fire There's departments service. in Texas that are, like, paying for relocation expenses. Well, so, I mean, obviously in the fire service, we all like to bitch and moan problem solving right so is it is it that all these kids coming in have 
maybe had a neighbor whose dad was a fireman and just seen them physically disintegrate throughout their childhood, you know, by the time they hit high school, dad's limping home off the job and dad's tired all the time. And then dad potentially gets cancer or liver disease or heart disease or whatever and passes away at a young age. Is it that career firemen became more prevalent when the new generation were kids? So they got to actually see probably what happened to career firemen. I'm, I'm sure that's a, that plays a big part of it, you know? Um, and there's, there's third, I want to say there's, Maybe even a few fourth generation out here now, but you know, we're in the you know, on the the, the western US, you know, back east coast, like fourth, fifth, sixth generation firemen are not uncommon, you know, for that to be the family trade. Right. And you you know, you see it out here, but um for how many kids I knew who had dads that were firefighters growing up, like none of like only one or two of them got on. And I, I think, you know, we 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 grew up and they you know, they like they, they saw that. My dad worked you know his butt off um at you know some pretty big companies and what i saw was a few years before he was eligible like two years before he was eligible for retirement and his pension they did all these mass layoffs and they just conveniently select you know grouped all the people that were close to that pension away they went and so i saw the result of you know the one-way one-way loyalty and how you know i was like okay well I'm definitely not like that sucks. Like that's not going to happen to me. And he was, he was prepared and smart and very frugal and, you know, intelligent with saving growing up. So yes, we were okay. But I mean, I was in Afghanistan when I, you know, I was calling home and it was like, Hey dad, like, why are you always home when I call now? (laughs) You know, well, we don't want you to stress, but this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And I have another, you know, the flip side of this is I have a, a really great friend on the fire department and his parents uh, started their own business. And he's like, I remember Christmases where like, we didn't have presents as kids because they were like, we have to pay our family. You know, we have to pay our, our employees so they can have Christmas. And so his draw to the fire service was that like that financial stability and security. And he's climbing the ladder. He's, and he's like crushing it. It's like, you know, great firefighter, great, he's a great human. Um, and, you know, like I, I, I uh, just talking with you know younger younger kids that I run into, and you know sometimes the military comes up, and military's having a hard time recruiting because they saw, you know, it's like my generation saw the Vietnam vets, and they're like, eh, you know, I mean, that was just a one-off thing, and that's like, okay, the Gulf War syndrome, and okay, now the GWAT guys, and oh, okay, yeah, like maybe you know the wear and tear and the mental health and this and that. And so I think a lot of, I think a lot of the, a lot of kids, I I think every generation is smarter than the last. Like these kids grew up with the internet at their fingertips. And if they have a little bit of that, that tism and ADHD that you and I do, all they're going to do is read about things they find interesting, Mm -hmm. you know, from, from the start. And so. when they're going to research the hell out of anything that they're going to get into. My niece is 18, 19 now. Um, and she's like knocking out her prereqs. She's like eighteen, knocking out her prereqs, going directly to an, a two-year RN program, and then she's going to a contract, mm. like travel nurse contract, like twenty-one. She's smarter than both of us. Well, it's that generation. Like that generation's aware of it. And they know about it. They look into it. Our gen- like my generation. You know, all the all the all the people I knew. They're like, I'm going to go to nursing school. 
they were told that if you don't have a you know a, a BSN and a four year right. degree, you're not going to get a job. And like flash forward, it's like well, you, I, you, you know you're going to get more money, better taken care of, more travel, and more time off doing the travel thing, which might only require that two years suit. Well, I think I mean she works she works at Chick Fil A, making more EMTs in the city. Do you? So you hit it on the head. I mean, our generation was, we had this whole like protocol list of check things in life that you had to do. You were not, there were no workarounds. And these new kids have come in and said, no, no, there, there are workarounds. There are smarter ways to accomplish things. And they're pushing that envelope. So when you have such a rigid base, such as a fire service say, all right, this is the checklist. This is what has to happen. These kids are like, no, I can accomplish adrenaline worthwhile goals and a paycheck by going around and doing it in this way so fire department you haven't come up to this century i'm not i'm not going to go in your direction right they're going to find workarounds yeah. to meet and there, those and needs. There's, some, there's some there's some departments out there that are doing some pretty cool interesting things and you know um you know it's 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 not the you know the fire service is a problem or is the problem it's it's just there's a million different factors going into this, you know, um, you know, like just not even factoring like the economic side of things of like most 25 year old people getting hired in a you know major city on a full time fire department can't afford to live there, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, I also think that e even if that wasn't the case, so many of this next generation grew up watching their parents work 50, 60, 70 hours a week to make, you know, 120, 140, whatever, right? To, to make good money. And it like that comes at a cost, you know, whether it's, you know, time with your family or just the, the strain of it all. And like, I, I know plenty of people that are, you know, like, yeah, I could work 60, 70 hours a week and make, you know, 150 a year doing whatever. Um, or, and, you know, I'd be miserable and hate my life. Or I could, you know, do a couple gig things, do this, get a job I actually enjoy or tolerate, uh, you know, go work one day a week or, you know, an eight-hour shift at REI and get some huge employee discount that makes it more easy for you to, you know, get all, like, if you're in outdoor stuff, right? Like, they're, they're, they're playing it, like, they're just playing the system to, not playing the system, but they're maneuvering in the system to, not kind of have to be this nine to five. This is what you do, but to have that, you know, have those options. So, you know, so many people love complaining about the next generation. There's like some tablet that they found from like 2500 BC where they're like complaining about the next generation. You know, and it's like, oh, they're going to, you know, how can humanity ever go along with, you know, <laughs> the kids these days. I saw one. And so, I saw one recently. It was a tablet, and it was chiseled, and it was it was a real thing. Work excuses. And I was like, God, I recognize all of those. Yeah, yeah. Times don't change too much with human behavior. Yeah, everybody thinks nobody wants to work. It's like, no, there's plenty of companies that have lines out the door. There's plenty of departments that, you know, have a surplus of qualified candidates. I mean, they're... There's departments like on the PD side, like where, where we're at, like there's a department that has, I think they have like a lateral 
officer position opening and they had like 200 applicants from other departments in the valley and those departments that they're that these officers want to leave have like single digit applicants you know it's like okay sounds familiar maybe maybe this is a maybe this is worth looking into right and you, you look at that that law enforcement agency and you're like oh yeah that makes sense you know the 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 head guy, the chief, is out running calls and doing everything, and right alongside his guys, you know. Um, and uh, I've, always, I've just always been curious, like, you know, my experience on the fire department is it, it was it was interesting for sure, but you know, the, the decision makers being 15 years since they last rode a truck, you know, and you know, like, oh yeah, sure, you know, battalion chiefs go to calls and stuff. I get it, right? Like, there's a absolute. A purpose for for BCs and, and and whatnot on calls, but I think there's just something different when, like the name of the podcast, right? Five after midnight. Like if that's not a multi-company incident, that that, that battalion, the, the chiefs, the administration, whatever. Like I, I think when you've been off a truck for so long, and in those fifteen years, you know the the drugs that you carry, you know your drug box has doubled in size, your responsibility has doubled, your protocols the tools, the, the calls for, that we now respond to, you know, the 911 abuse, everybody's just terrified of being sued. So like dispatch can't tell somebody with a tow ache that it's not an emergency. Mm-hmm. And they dispatch a crew and the crew has been told by administration that like they, like you can't, you just, every, if somebody wants like you have to take them to the hospital. And whichever um, hospital they want to go, doesn't matter if it's 40 minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, closest and most appropriate. Um, nope, nope, and, we get to but, choose. But, but, some, but some people, well, you know, it's, it varies by state. So, um, you know, but still, like, like it's just, it, it's, it gets exhausting. And then, it's, you know, it's okay, cool, yeah, that's the job. I get it. That's the job. Let's do the job. Um, but because they're, and this is, again, one of a million different experiences is, you know, they don't see that side of it. It wasn't as hard back in the day it was certainly more dangerous because you know like certainly more prone to cancer all the advancements you know um the job was definitely different back then they walk into a station and they you know 15 years ago 20 years ago they were wearing the class b's and they walk in and you know societal and cultural shifts it's like yeah like firefighters wear t-shirts now and for the station we might just be hanging out in gym shorts and slides on because we don't want to track our nasty cancerous aids you know, uh, yeah, uh, you know, just everything, right? All the, all the, all, all the, the nastiness on our boots. And so, you know, they walk in and it's 10 in the morning, 11 o'clock and guy, you know, somebody's taking a nap and it, it just sets them off. Right. It's like, well, you know, we got one hour of sleep last night. We have enough 24 hours to go, you know, like we're, you know, we're not running calls in this attire, you know, but like, that's just, it's just um, it's just something about climbing the ladder in almost any industry or space. It's the same thing in the military with sergeant majors. You know, they they just get so angry when they see someone put their hands in their pockets. You know, is that the is like is that really the problem here? You know, maybe should we like use our power and rank to address the mold in the barracks or the you know the the call volume? You know, like they they're the ones in the position to. You know, they can either use their influence going down the ladder and or they can use their influence going up the chain. And, 
you know, play maybe play a little harder ball with uh, the decision makers of, you know, that directly influence staffing and budgets and um, new stations and, and whatnot. So, you know, it's really a choose your own adventure for them, but it's also a choose your own adventure for the guy or gal that's three years in or working, you know, backseat. And they can see, you know, okay, hey, like, this might not yeah, be what I want. What they, yeah, it might not be what I want. They see the, the burnout. They see the mental health. They see the stress. They just, just all of it. And, uh, you know, and I'm only speaking for myself on this. And people are like, you know, oh, like, what was the, you know, what was it like the traumatic calls? It's like, no, like, I signed up for those, you know, like, I signed up for like the traumas and the shootings and the stabbing and the car accidents and the codes and the, the fire and all that, right? Like, I, I didn't sign up for, like the the infighting and the drama and the, and the politics mm. and the you know um play ball and and you know it's exhausting oh yeah you know, oh turns out you know the crew that i'm on like the captain pissed off some chief years back and now that chief has it out for him and anybody on his crew i'm like i don't i was you know i'm just i'm just here like i've had no part in that you know right. but it's it's prevailing everywhere it's this crazy you know i Everybody just needs to, to chill out. Remember why they signed up for this. I, I think you absolutely nailed it with the analogies you just gave. And it's there's nothing more disheartening than having worked your ass off all too long or whatever and just relaxing in the kitchen with your crew and having somebody who isn't running those calls come in and berate you. Because maybe your boots are in the bay and you're wearing those disastrous ugly Crocs or your T-shirt's untucked or whatever it is. And it's the snide comment. Maybe it's not the scaring you into thinking you're getting disciplined, but just the nasty tone and the comment. And it's, it's disheartening. It truly drags your soul down a little of this is, this is what's top of your list what is it that you're doing during the day when you're supposed to be out representing me, protecting me, guiding me, mm-hmm. that after all that we've been through in the past 16, 18 hours, this is the first thing you're going to say to me and this is the first thing you're going to notice. And I think there's a generation that believed that we're paramilitary, therefore we have to always be yelling and always be negative and always be on people. If we don't do that, the whole fire service is going to fall apart. And I think we have to dispel that myth, and it needs to be. Yeah, the, the, the fire service is not paranormal. They're not. Um, pe- people use that word because they associate, you know, chain of command with being paramilitary. But like, Wendy's has a chain of command. You know. Good um, point. But you know, paramilitaries, you know, the, the military. Like, if you screw up in the military, they take your pay, and they make you fill sandbags after work for 45 days they might demote you they might kick you out Mm. depending on which aspect of the military and they'll just pt you just into the ground right don't don't be giving the fire department ideas please well there the the fire service and it's just absolute it's it's so contradictory of like you're like being in the business of emergency management, emergency mitigation, while also being 100% risk averse is, mm. is illogical. 
And so if you suggested to a fire service, that pr- a fire department that prides themselves on their marching and drill and ceremony and, the, and that they're paramilitary, and you said, hey, you should uh, you should consider smoking dudes and, and cutting their paychecks when they screw up, they'd be like, oh, that's too much liability. And like, oh, okay. Well, I think we've we've pointed out our pet peeves and we've pointed out what's gone wrong. What would be, if you were to come in and run the fire service, what would be those two things you would instantly change off the bat to improve the lives of the firefighters around you and to improve retention recruitment? Because I would assume that you guys get a lot of messages all the time of people with either ideas, solutions, gripes, whatever. You guys have to hear this bevy of thoughts all the time with your community. Yeah. And, and we'll get these messages, like, we'll, you know, we'll do a Q&A and we'll get a message from some guy. Yeah, and they're like, oh, man, like, my department just did this. And you're like, what? Like, how? Did, how? Like, oh, they just, like, wrote it into the policy. And are like, can you send us the policy? And they're like, sure. <laughs> you know? You're like, how did they pull this off? And they're like, oh, we got this new chief. And he's here, here for a couple months. And then uh, he said, that's a stupid rule. And he just changed it. And he told everybody to just deal with it. And like, I love it. You know, you're like, what? You could do that? Like, yeah, that's, that's how policy works, man. You know, um, I think, I think the thing that, I mean, first of all, you wouldn't want me running the car service. You wouldn't want, you don't want me running anything. Um, I can barely run a meme page. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I think what should be done is, you know, some a lot of departments do uh, like shift bids every so often. Some departments don't, you know, but um, uh, a lot of departments around here are starting to do this in every two or three years. Like they have a department-wide rebid. And what's interesting is, you know, the battalion chiefs will be like, okay, hey, like these these are the battalion chiefs on this shift, and you'll see, like, the guys, like the most respected guys, right? Like you'll have a C, you know, this, the whatever this shift's battalion command, you know, chief. It's nobody's with the top pick is going there, and then you know, captain wise, and then once all the captain slots are done, you'll see, like, uh, you know, these trucks just fill up, fill up. Like everybody wants that one. Like guys are brokering, trading. Like, oh, hey, like how, how can we, you know, whatever. And then you'll see that like there's some shifts and trucks and captains where the only like the that crew is comprised of people that had the lowest seniority to bid it because nobody that's been around longer wanted to be there with those crews. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, I like the whole evidence-based medicine approach that the military takes to, to medicine. And I think if you are, uh, you know, in a fire service in a decision-making capacity, I think it would uh, benefit you to, look at which trucks and which crews and which ships and which BCs people want to go work for and find the common themes in those crews and captains and leaders and uh, maybe just ask people like hey why does ev- like why does everyone work like why does everybody love working with Bob study what's working well captain yeah well captain Bob is always happy and even when he's complaining he's making sure everybody else is happy he's having fun and he doesn't put up with BS or you know I, I don't know. Maybe he brings donuts every morning. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but I definitely think that there are shifts that people will work, or you know, they get they get roved to a different station or whatever, and they're like, "Oh man, I get roved," and then they're like, "Oh, like that was such a great time. We got our 
asses kicked on calls, but we had a blast the whole time. And there were, you, you know, that, like, that's something special, you know? Um, there, there are crews that have the seniority to like, for the last 12 years, like they have, they, it's the same crew. They, they jive and click so well. And, you know, like, well, what, what makes that happen? Let's go talk. Like, let's sit down and like really talk with the captain, talk with the BC. Like, what is like, why, why does everybody want to come work for you? And they'll probably tell you, I don't know. And you ask, okay, well, like, what are your, what are your like opinions and, and leader, you know, leadership philosophy and, and, you know, and the, like, that's the juice, like, that's the info. That's the juicy info. Well, it's, it's funny because your eval is done by your officer. And then your officer's eval is done by a battalion chief who's just going to be grading them off of what they see on calls. So for the officer position, there is nobody truly giving them any kind of feedback other than how you performed on a fire or a big incident. There's nobody saying, this is what's amazing about this officer. This is what sucks about this officer. This is how this person needs to change the lieutenant and the captain spot. I I certainly... I mean, we would always, like, after, you know, I mean, even medical calls, fires, everything, like, the crews I was with, for the most part, you know, um, we would say, like, hey, how could how could we have done that better? Or, hey, man, that was pretty slick. Like, why did you, you know, even, like, some regional training that we got, you know, like, oh, we got to go to training, you know, like, I had plenty of, like, tons of captains that, and other captains from other departments that were like, hey, like, why, why did you, you know, set the thing up that way? And, I was like, oh, because it's X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's pretty slick. You know, and, and there's feedback. Or, hey, man, I, I noticed you kind of struggled with this. Like, what's up with that? And, you know, at least in the military, like, the you know, your battalion commander or your battalion chief, you know, if he's ripping into or doing constructive feedback or whatever with a captain, he's not going to do that in front of the, the soldiers. And so I, w- I would certainly hope that those uh, post-incident, like, not the uh, – is everybody okay? Which is always, you know, could be helpful. But the like from a technical, professional performance level of of you know sustain, improve feedback. How can we do that better? How can we do it faster? Do you, do you guys, how do you guys feel about you know? Let's go grab lunch. Let's go find a parking lot and like let's let's practice that like hose load. You know, pulling that in that in this weird configuration in a weird position. And everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, that's happening. But my point is when it comes to there are those those things that just make an officer great as a shift supervisor. Um, Like you said earlier, the guy who always comes in happy, even when he's bitching. And there's no system in place for those guys and gals to get feedback on that level of stuff. And that's the stuff that makes or breaks a shift. You know, I think like a lot of courses in the military do a peer review system and it's a not, you know, it's anonymous. And, uh, you know, if enough people say you're a scumbag, then you get peered out. Hmm. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a running joke in business. It's a theory called, uh, basically it's like you're promoted to your level of incompetence. Right. And, um, I think some of the, some of the best battalion chiefs and, and the folks I've worked with were people or it's like the longer you got to know them, like, dude, how did you become a battalion chief? Like 
how did you slip through the cracks, you know? And they're like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> like, I took the test, and X, Y, and Z happened, and, like, I was able to get in or what, whatever, right? Um, I think there's, you know, at a certain point in your career, it's like, are you looking, are you still looking at the job as the job, or are you looking towards the light at the end of the tunnel of career, you know, career progression, climb the ladder, max the pension, maximize, which, like, yeah, like you, you, you got to do both, right? But there's there's plenty of firefighters that one day just stopped being firefighters and they became politicians and bureaucrats. And they mm-hmm. just happened to work in the fire service and administration. And um, you know, I think that's that's you know that's not a fixable thing. Like that's a, that's a it's human nature. Um, so I, I think uh, you know there's definitely solutions to help, but. Um, you know, some there's departments where the, the fire chiefs have literally no say, right? They have a just insane city manager or insane, you know, public safety director, whatever, whatever the guy, you know, whatever the role is called. And they, you know, and the downside, at least out here, is uh, once you promote past captain, like you don't have that union protection anymore. And so, you know, you take a BC spot or a a deputy chief or assistant chief or whatever, and if you're not like vested in the pension system, and you don't have union protection anymore, and you can just be fired for bucking the system, makes I mean, you less likely it, to. You're you're like you're very like by the system, you know whether intended or not. You're you're kind of hamstrung in a position of like, how much boat rocking can I do? To to you know without losing my job or being replaced or, you know, saying goodbye to any potential promotion or whatever. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing that sucks. But again, you know, using those 20 days a month, I know plenty of guys that are, you know, captains, guys in the union, whatever, and they don't care. Like they, 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 they will buck the system all day long because they're like, Hey, look, man, like, I started this other thing or I got multiple revenue streams or whatever, you know, I got options. My, you know, I spent six years working unlimited overtime. So my wife could go to PA school, you know, so like our family's okay. So like, I'm going to come in and do it how it's supposed to be done. If they, you know, give me the boot over it. Fine. But it's just, I, I imagine it's a very difficult position to be in. Um, if you're, basically that vulnerable and you have a, 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 you know, city manager, mayor, public safety director, whatever that um, doesn't really like what you're trying to do. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a, I'm, uh, there's plenty of chiefs out there that are very much in between a rock and a hard place. Hmm. Left kind of twisting in the wind. So step one for you would be feedback finding out what we're doing right with officers and shifts and crews. What's step two in, in Matt's magical fire department? Implementing the feedback. Like feedback's great, you know? Um, but not when it just sits on a desk. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I don't, I don't like that one. Why? You know, I don't know. But, you know, on to the next one. And, um, like, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. So, 
Um, there's an apartment out here that had a uh, like the the union and the union like managed, you know, like buying like the uh, uniform shirts and stuff. And because it's for some reason, and maybe the East Coast has solved this. Like it's very very hard for a t-shirt company to print white ink on blue shirts in a timely manner. And like so many departments have tried so many vendors and like, it's just insane. It's an insane nightmare for, for reasons unknown. And, um, so the art department, uh, was like, Hey, you know, you guys will take care of the shirts. And they're like, okay, cool. And then, you know, it was just, uh, for a few years, there's all these issues with the suppliers and vendors, and and the union is like, hey, like you guys should, like the city should really be handling our uniforms if you know that's what we're being required to wear. And so the city was like, okay, yeah, we'll take that. And so the, the administration just wasn't as big of a priority, right? And so you know, it's like a three or six month period where you know guys couldn't order t-shirts, and, and like we couldn't get uniform shirts. You know, it's not like we have one, but you know how we go through those things. And, you know, we're in the Southwest. Like, it's it's a little warm here. And so we're going to like you'll, you'll go through four or five, one, one messy medical call, some training, sweating, MBA, you know, fire. Like, that's five changes right there, not, not just not counting the, the the general sweatiness. And so there was a, there was a period of time where um, – if you had walked into the stations and asked anybody, you're like, hey, what's going on with uniforms? Their response would be like, yeah, man, like, we can't order more uniforms. And if you walked into the administration building and you said, what's going on with uniforms? They'd be like, yeah, these guys are wearing PTs around the stations. What's going on with uniforms? You know? Complete and disconnect. Complete disconnect, yeah. It's, and, um, you know, it's just it, like get chiefs to ride with the crews. Get decision makers to ride with the guys doing the work, right? It's like, Find find the companies where the CEOs takes out the trash and, and will mop the floor and, and you know we'll go down to the assembly line and you know plug in and whatever right um, and I think the more removed you are from the work and the longer you're removed from the work and you're just surrounded by just I can't imagine anybody joined the fire department and rose to the position of being in administration or chief or whatever and it's like man when I was a kid I wanted to fight fire run a truck write shiny lights. And now I sit in an office and deal with paperwork all day. And that makes me so happy and fulfilled. You know, I can't imagine that that's where they wanted to be, you know. Um, and so I, I think, you know, the, the, the disconnect in some, some departments and agencies or even just some shifts could, could simply be bridged by going on calls and not, not why are you doing it this way? And that's the, you know, the other part is that, you know, you got these um, people that are just such, such zero and one types that, you know, someone's like, yeah, hey, Chief so-and-so is going to like ride backseat with us and he's going to, you know, just like literally ride with us for the shift. And people, you know, depending on the chief, people will be like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. And, or they might be like, oh great, like, Let's all go home on sick leave now. It's polished and tucked in and this and that. And so, okay, let's read, let's read all the policies and make sure everything is, you know, by the book. So I don't get yelled at. And then, you know, and like that, that's fueled by the disconnect. I don't think there is any easy solution. There's, there's also plenty of departments that people just love, 
love working at and you know so it's really it's really kind of like what you're you know what are you looking for there's departments that are um, like the big one out here like a lot of guys a lot of the younger folks are are punching out and they're going to you know smaller suburb departments that have you know people like oh, why would you do that it's like oh you know they see like all these guys getting cancer and they see the call volume and they are coming home exhausted and they could go work in the suburbs in a nicer station and a nicer truck and a lower call volume and you know, maybe a, a slight, <clears throat> slightly less pay, maybe, maybe slightly more. <clears throat> and uh, better quality of life. When I was a kid, I, I, I entertained being a cop for a little bit. And uh, I did a couple ride alongs, and this, this guy was a cop. He'd been a cop a while. He's an older guy. I mean, like, as in he'd been on the job a minute, and he said something to me. He's like, you know, when I was a kid, I. All I wanted to do was be like chasing bad dudes, like really, really bad guys. Like I wanted to hunt bad guys. You know, when you're 26 and you're chasing some bad guy down, you know, with armed robbery, with a gun, you're chasing him down an alleyway at 3 a.m. in the ghetto. You're like, yeah. And he's like, flash forward 20 years, and you got three kids at home, and your knees hurt, and you're chasing a bad guy down an alleyway at 3 a.m. with a gun, and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, like this is this is insane. And so it's just kind of like the, it's just not a simple vanilla zero one type thing. It's like when you're the objectives you have professionally and personally, when you're 18 versus 30 versus 40 versus 50 are all very different. And, um, you know, so it's, it's just, it's complex. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's no other career field like it. There's no fix it all solution. No, I mean, if, I mean, it boils down to this. It's like when people call a government hotline for help, they either need the fire department, law enforcement, or an ambulance to show up and solve whatever problem they have. You put the four problem solvers on a fire truck, and they drive around solving the public's problems on a million-dollar toolbox. Like that's that's the fire. Like, that's it. That's the job, right? So, like, it's going to be, and it's 24-7, 365. So, like, that's going to be an interesting thing to manage. People, you know, will justifiably look and be like, oh, how, how do these like big successful corporations do it? And they'll, you know, they'll do it in a way that works for them. And some of these big corporations are like, oh, like, how, how do the high performers, you know, high performance organizations do it? And they'll look at like Navy SEALs or special operations and they're, you know, they'll, they'll kind of think that they should be emulating these other organizations that perform at a high level. But the problem is like Navy SEALs are not profit driven. They're mission driven. Businesses are profit-driven. Fire department is objective-driven. You know, like, the way you go about solving problems is going to be entirely different. You know, like, how, you, how these organizations are crude does not necessarily equate to how these organizations accomplish their objectives, right? Usually how they accomplish their objectives is, like, innovation and risk-taking and, you know, all these other things that have nothing to do with hiring or what whatever you know so it, it's like context is so important um i think the fire service could just accept it. like they are a unique career field and the same way with law enforcement and ems and all of that um and what works in other industries doesn't necessarily work in the fire service because like in the military we like you, you might be in the same unit with a, a you know three years max right um, and you might get there and meet some guy and four months later he comes on orders and you never see him again. 
and so like just the 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 fact that you have guys that have worked together for 15 20 years 33 percent of the year they're having dinner together and sleeping in the same house like it's it's just it's an entirely different ball game well if you could take in one paragraph everything that you wish you could spout out to a fire department and to the fire service encapsulate that everything that worst response worst responders kind of encompasses and you could just leave a thought with fire departments of of kind of collectively what you've seen heard and felt what would it be what what do people want to relay to the fire service the modern fire service around them that you're hearing the most i think i think it's it's so much because it's it's there's fire service things there's ems things there's healthcare things I think um what's the biggest cry for help right now? Every I mean everyone's hurting, everyone's broke, everyone's drained out, everyone's burnt out. Um and I think uh I think good leadership I mean there's 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 plenty of places you can go and and watch firsthand people that are not making that much money that are working their butts off and are exhausted but they're doing it with a smile on their face and that generally can come back to who they're doing it with and who they're doing it for. And I think in the fire service, you know, you got to remember who you work for. Like the firefighters work for the public. The captains work for the firefighters and the public. The battalion chiefs work for the firefighters, the captains and the public. And if you ask some captains, who do you work for? They'll say, oh, battalion chief. And if you ask other captains, who do you work for? Like, I work for my guys and I work for the public. And so I think it's, um, you know, remember who we work for. Remember, like, it's very easy to, to bitch about running calls all day. But, you know, like the, like the joke in uh, in Clerks, we would always, you know, sarcastically joke, like, man, this should be the coolest job for all the calls. Like, if we didn't have to run any calls, you know, just show up to the building, work out, cook, hang out with your bros, chainsaws, play with trucks and machines, yeah, and it's pretty cool. Easiest job so, ever. Yeah, I mean, you win all the calls. It's like the coolest job ever. Huh. Like, have you, like anybody that's never driven a fire truck with lights and sirens, oncoming traffic, making tons of noise, I got to do that. And what was going through my head besides like, is that car gonna stop? What was going through my head was like, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. Like, this is hilarious. And we get to where we're going, and it's like, oh, hey, like, we should get in this garage, like, use this giant circular saw and just cut it up. It sparks everywhere and breaks stuff. And you're like, what? <laughs> okay. And, uh, like, it's it's literally the coolest job ever. I, I, maybe maybe not as cool as astronaut, but, like, I don't know what that's like. But there's a reason that, like, so many people in the fire department were, like, when I, since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a firefighter. And then... Imagine the heartbreak when they get their dream job and they find out that, you know, five years in and they're just miserable working at the job that they dreamed about having their entire life. And like, it's fixable. Like that's, that's a fixable thing. Like it's, it's a treatable thing. We can, we can make it better. We can't make it perfect, but we can make it better. It's going to require uncomfortable conversations. It's going to require accountability of your peers and self, you know, well, thank you for coming on here because you guys are kind of the rebellious, the rebellious influencers of the social media world in terms of the messages you put out there. And so to hear you saying, 
you know what, this is the greatest fucking job ever. And all these problems exist, but there's solutions. They're there. They exist. We just have to implement them and find them. But we can always continue. The fire service is not going to hell in a handbasket. Things are always... No, they're not going out of business anytime soon. No, no, stupid people always exist. Uh, We'll always need to run calls. But no, all these problems, they're fixable. We can continue to make this. They they exist everywhere. Um, They just are amplified in public safety because it's just a very unique job. And it's it's hard for people to understand, and it's um, I, I think it's a it's a snowball effect. But yeah, I mean, it's it's there is no job that is perfect. So I know I know guys that have, you know started a company making tons of money, and they are just like oh, this is, I'm just over it. And they sell it for tons of money, and like they're sitting around with all this money, and it's like they have. Like they don't, they feel like they don't have a purpose or a meaning or whatever. And I know it's very like woohoo, but it's like, like whatever dreams you have, if all of them come true, like what, what do you have now have to work for, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like fire, fire, fire department, being a firefighter, a full time firefighter, coolest job on the planet. Just like remember that, whether you're a, a, a booter, a probie, or a chief, you know, like just. Like you can make it the coolest job on the planet. The higher up you go, and the further away you are from the truck, you have even more ability to make it the coolest job and the coolest department and the coolest shift. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.